From Relay FM, this is Upgrade episode 248. Today's show is brought to you by Lunar Display, Squarespace, and ExpressVPN. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined across this podcasting table in San Jose, California, by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Mike, I love it when we do Upgrade live and in person. It's the best. And there's no better live and in person Upgrade than WWDC Upgrade. We are like two hours removed from the keynote and there was a good reason for that because you actually got to spend a little bit of time with the brand new mac pro i touched a mac pro but we're going to talk about that a little later on in the episode we are eschewing most of our usual format today because there's way too much to talk about however let's talk about the draft so in our last episode in case you uh, knew around here we did a predictions draft um, where we will go through a list of things and score them and then it comes out on the other end and we see who won I don't think we need to to dive into this one because we have done a lot of adjudication in the background. I I will say, um, first off, I've got a few statements, opening statements about the draft. One is, um, this was, I'm a little worried that we are a little too predictable. I know that you on Connected last week did the Ricky picks where uh, you made things that are extra special risky. Mm -hmm. I want to consider possibly forcing us to make some riskier picks in some of our picks down the road because I feel like part of it is, this was packed and all of these things that we thought would happen basically happened and so our scores i think this was the best performance we've ever done on yes, our draft this was the best performance I, I you know i understand what you're saying but i just think that we picked well because we had maybe a so. lot of things available to us and a lot of things that felt possible i just wonder if there, maybe there's one or two picks that should be forced out of our comfort zones just to make it more I'm, interesting i'm always up for adapting the rules because the score as um as we agreed on in mm-hmm. the end, after some adjudication, yep. we did have to call in Stephen Hackett yep. to make a judgment. Um, the scores ended up nine to nine. Nine to nine. So the things that were not that the, the two of us did not get, Jason, we we did score not score a new TV related partnership. Yes, the BBC. I could say something about <laughs> the BBC taking pictures of fish, but that was not no, what that's I meant. Not it. No, uh, and Apple Arcade being shown off. So there was a moment in the presentation where Tim spoke about Apple Arcade. And you and there was like a moment in the TV demo where they showed an Apple Arcade game, but I think really, honestly, even though I really wanted the point, that was not what I was talking about. I was expecting there to be much more about Apple Arcade in this pre- in the in the overall presentation, which there wasn't. So that one uh, we lost in that. So we went. I, to, I sent an overcast clip to Stephen Hackett. You did, and, he's, and he said that's not a pick. So yeah. we didn't have to get into it. But that means that we were tied. We were tied, and so that means we went to the tiebreaker. How many times did Tim Cook appear on stage? <laughs> I think we both counted four, but it definitely wasn't more than five. I, I got five. Okay, but it which wasn't is the more same than five. as last year, and I got up to five. Yep. And the, I, I think in the end, Mike, you. Me winning on a tie break instead of you came down to the fact that Tim presented TVOS instead of handing it off to someone else. If he had handed it off to someone else, it would have been fine. So TVOS is my nemesis, basically. But he just said, look, I'm not going to even bother bringing somebody out for TVOS. We're going to (laughs) just move on. That's a shame. But anyway, I will say... Congratulations on your first WWDC win. Thank of the you. Draft. Yeah, it's a long Congratulations on your second draft win this year. It's not looking good for me. Yeah, but this, this is the closest. This is this is a there's an asterisk next to this one because it was with a tiebreak yeah. and it was disputed and adjudicated and As all say, of that. If I'm going to lose together, we we did a pretty I good. Also, we, we totally uh, messed up the name of Mac OS, but oh, that was a bonus point. Who cares? Close. Catalina wasn't even Catalina. on our list. Yeah. Catalina wine mixer. 
that keeps pop- popping into my head. I looked it up. It's a joke from the movie Step Brothers. Ah. So. so my theory, by the way, Catalina is because the uh, thing formerly known as marzipan is called Catalyst. So it's Catalyst in Catalina. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. more cats with OS. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. I did notice that, that like there was a bunch of cat sounds. Uh-oh, they've returned to cats. Yes. It's now just the word cat. Then other That's words right, that right. come after it. So we'll cataract. Catapult. Could be the next one. Catamaran. Mac OS Catamaran. Oh my God. Here we go. We were doing it, everyone. No, let's do this. Let's talk about the keynote. We're not going to necessarily go in uh, in time order. There's actually massive sections that we're not going to talk about it's today. Too much. So, like, we're not going to talk about Watch OS. We're not going to talk about TV OS. But I did want to talk about the intro with you. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of upstreamy. One, Tim came out and spoke a bunch about services, which seemed like a complete waste of time after a really wonderful video, which I think was a, I liked the video. It was, it was showing like a connection with developers. Like we understand your struggle and you go like setting it up like that. And you're like, oh, now I'm going to talk for 15 minutes about something you cannot participate in. And here's a trailer of a TV show Ron Moore made. Right. So I... So it reminded me of, uh, I think, last year or the year before where they did that trailer, the one that, that Craig Hockenberry and Jim Dalrymple yep. were in. Was that yep. last year um, or two years ago? I think that was two years ago. All right. So what what struck me about the, the intro video this year is that um, I think they were much more careful about the tone of it than they were two years ago where they had kind of a jokey yeah. tone yep. with kind of like people who've been in the community a long time that you recognize. And Pushing this time what they tried to do is... Like they showed, they showed a lot of people in different countries. They showed men and women. They showed people of different races. Ages. They didn't. They did different ages. They didn't make nerd jokes. They didn't show. I I know that they showed people working late into the night sometimes, but I felt that it was delicate, and they were not saying, um, "You have no wor- work life balance." In fact, showing um, the one guy holding the baby and all of that. Like I think they. I think this was something that was discussed at a deeper level than yes. maybe previous and videos were. And it had a were. beautiful tagline, which was, while the world sleeps, you dream. Yeah. Which is just so that's wonderful. Great. And I like so, it. Like, that's better. I understand the, like, the, the thought of like, oh, they're showing people working late and crunching. What they're showing is people that want to make something happen for themselves. These are probably people that have like day jobs yeah. and they want to make an app. Like yeah, I, It's meant to be inspirational yeah. and I think they did a better like job somebody of, who lived of a life like that, inclusive. right? Yeah. To try and get to where I wanted to go. I, I, like, I like the message. But I think they just, it was kind of crazy to then just segue into this, uh, the trailer. The trailer though, does look really good. Yeah, I think that's why they showed it. Is it that, looks is that really I think they got, they got some stick from people about not showing anything yep. at their services event. And uh, they figured a sci-fi series from Ron Moore from Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And I liked how they mentioned Star Trek because he was a producer on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and uh, Voyager maybe briefly. And uh, so they wanted to like use Star Trek as a little imprimatur. Although we in the Tim Cook voice, it became Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is Star Trek. I think he, that's just how he says Star, Star Trek. Trek. He likes Star Trek. Star Trek. So um, I thought it looked great. And uh, Stephen Hackett was like five seats down for me, so I didn't get to exchange a view from him. But as somebody who's a space fan, it sounds like they're going hard into the conceit of the show history so of like the people you know and the NASA you know, mm-hmm. but they got beat to the moon and what happens next. It looks yeah. really good. It is cool. looks very carefully designed, like the spacecraft look right and it all that. So great. It looks really good. But so I, I think ultimately strange. Tim saw it and was like, this is great. Let's show it to developers. Yeah. <laughs> so they did. It's kind of like, oh, we're going to give them the, uh, we're going to give them the Mac Pro later on. Like, oh, they won't be, it won't be a problem. They'll be fine with it then. Yeah. Um, okay, let's just jump into iOS. 
Let's jump. Let's jump in. iOS. You mean the operating system that runs iPhone and iPod Touch? Yeah, we'll get. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, pause we'll get there. that for a minute. So, look, we all knew that dark mode was pretty on schedule for this yeah, year. That was my because, first pick in the draft, right? Exactly. That was yeah, because it felt like it was late anyway, right? Like it feels like we should have had it for years and years and years. Uh, but we've, I don't know, we got it now. Um, I'm really intrigued to see more information from developers, you know, like once all the sessions start happening, how hard, how easy is it going to be to implement as a third-party developer to make your app look that way? We don't know any of that information yet. The State of the Union is happening right now as we record, so I'm sure that some of that information is getting out there. As always, you know, we're getting this out as quick as we can. But But they'll need to do some work. However, I was taking notes in an app in a dark mode while also tweeting from an app with a dark mode in iOS. So I feel like a lot of app developers have already done the work to build their own dark mode Mm -hmm. and now they're going to be able to just flip that over. But yes, there will also have to be be some dark mode probably all the time it all of the system stuff looked way nicer you know like the kind of like dark frosted as opposed to like the it, it, i think it looked fantastic i'm not a fan of dark mode in mojave but i think on my iphone mm-hmm. and maybe my ipad but certainly on my iphone i will uh, i will give it a try you can schedule it too that's great that's actually one of the big things because that that was i actually flipped all my stuff into dark mode during the keynote when they dropped the lights because the the white screens yep. were too much. So being able to schedule that and also presumably flip it over it's on control center. Yeah. control center. Yeah, control center, yeah. But like the, I like the toggle part of it too. I think that's really great. Um, but yeah, so dark mode looks fantastic, but I don't think there's much more to say about it. Let's just keep moving on. What did you think about the improvements to photos? Well, you know, when you write a book about photos and you see massive changes to photos... I literally sat there going, well, there's my summer. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> no, it's boy. great. It's great. Photos hasn't been reconceived since it was it was made. I really liked the UI, like the floating kind of selection bar that yeah. you would tap on. And they're, float, trying, nice. they're trying really hard to find ways to apply that uh, machine learning stuff to get garbage out of the way because it, it's totally true. You You see too many duplicates you take eight shots of people posing together you don't need to see all eight shots you you know by default when you're just kind of uh, scanning through you only need to see one and having it throw out screenshots and stuff like that i have a lot of those because i write about this stuff but people take screenshots and you don't want to do that so it's good this actually means though like are they deleting them are they just hiding them from general view like they're so there's an all photos tab but if you're in any of the other tabs it doesn't show all photos by default it's showing you kind of like the ones that it's selected as highlights right okay it's, it doesn't, I, I really am looking forward to digging into it because it strikes me as being um, an extension of what they've been doing with the last couple of versions of photos it, yeah, where they're trying like to rethink. No, they're really just trying to, you know, the, in the end, what, what the deal is with photos is everybody's got too many photos yes. and the goal is to try to find ways with machine learning to float up things that you want to see that you yep. would otherwise never see. And they, they've been doing that for a while now. And I think this version, they got to do an interface refresh to kind of like push that uh, more forward than the old interface allowed them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and do editing tools, which are great. You know, there's more more functions, yeah. but video. Yeah, the the um, iOS version was behind the yeah. Mac version on editing tools. Uh, you could do a lot of stuff, but there was still stuff that was missing. And then the video thing. I mean, one of the things I like about uh, Craig Federighi's on stage perform uh, presence is that he's jokey in a way where he po- he's allowed to poke fun at Apple in a way that Apple doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Um, but he, I think he has the personality that he can carry it off 
in a way that some of the other presenters I don't think would be able to. I agree. I agree. He is he has got that fun loving guy persona and they've used him as a vehicle for jokes for exactly, years now. You could look at it and be like, oh, that lovable scamp. Like he's yes. doing it on his own and no one sees his presentation. <laughs> exactly. And, and and also, I think with uh, uh, WWDC especially, he connects with developers. They yep. Not only do they cheer him because he's like their guy, but he gets them on mm-hmm. a level that um, that maybe some of the other people don't because they're they're in product marketing or something yeah. like that. But he's a, he's a, a, he's a, seen a as computer one of nerd. Exactly. Thing, yeah. And so that allows him to do things like talk about uh, the fact, like later, he talked about um, some other uh, things that we'll get to. But here, you know, the ability to rotate video, where he was sort of like, "Oh, you can rotate a video now. That's nice, right?" Like, I, I thought that they <laughs> messed up the presentation, right? Because they started right. showing video, and the video's in the wrong orientation. I was like, "Oh, that doesn't look very yeah. good." Although I see that all the time, yeah. right? And then they rotated, and then you apply uh, different uh, filters and stuff to it. It's great. So I'm glad. I will dig in. There will probably be like 50 other things they didn't mention. One theme of this keynote, and you saw it on the live stream we saw it when we were there it never stopped yep. it was a, a ridiculous pace and i will say i think it's the densest keynote from apple i've ever seen it ever- reminded me of two years ago when they when they showed off the new ipad stuff right in 11 and they showed off the imac pro that was two years ago right yeah it reminded me of that one because it was like that year, the, the kind of the phrase that the joke was, this was the year everybody got what they wanted. And it feels like that was the case again yeah. this year, but and, there was more of and, it. And they, they just didn't stop. No. There, there, are, there were multiple features that I thought they could have spent 20 minutes on that they spent less than Reminders. five. I feel like I know nothing about a brand new big application. They showed off a bunch of features yeah, it was that just really exciting. Kind of like a bullet point, right? But I haven't gotten my head around it all yet. So yeah. like, I still need to dig in about reminders because I can see something's changed. I can see it's huge. But they just, they didn't have just time. blasted no through, time. which was a, that was a big surprise to me. One that they did spend a lot of time on because it lent in with privacy was sign in with Apple. This is kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely a middle finger at Facebook and Google who they put on the slide. slide. But it's the idea that they know app developers. Think of it. I mean, this is going to be on the web too, but they're thinking of it from the perspective of like app developers want to set up an account and they're using these easy setup techniques that basically authorize you through someone else's thing, but then it's a privacy hole. And And the reason you do that is because then you are not responsible. Right, so like as a developer, you don't want to be the one responsible for dealing with the user creation, the account creation, all of the data, and then potentially any risks, security or otherwise, of holding that information, right? So you hand over the ability for the login to be held by a Google or a, a Facebook, and then you can build on their tools. So, But now Apple's doing it instead, and it gives people more of an option and what looks like a... It looks like a much more private, more secure way of doing it. The fake email address thing is genius. Yeah, so you're getting you're getting Facebook and Google out of the game of being able to use um, their easy login in exchange for data points for users. And the email thing, Dan Morin was sitting next to me, and he actually wrote a piece about this, I think earlier this year, about how this was a way for Apple to have its commitment to privacy um, kind of redoubled in terms of email. So Apple... 
you know, saying if you don't want to give these people your email, your actual email address, you can give them a routing email address that's randomly generated. Yep. And if you're tired of seeing their the emails from them, you just turn that off and it's gone. And so if they want to use it or resell it or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's been thrown into the you know the, a black hole basically at Apple and it's gone. I mean, and what a great way to find out what companies are selling your data. If you see, like, I don't know if, if, like, they expose the email address that it's sent to, right? Like, I don't know if you as a user will get to see it if it's forwarded to you. Um, but I think that it is, it's absolutely fascinating as a thing to do. And I'm really keen to see if it's something that catches on. I, I'm, I'm keen to see what happens there. But I, I figure if you are a developer who already offers these systems, then why not do it? And as a user, it's... There, I have some questions about like, so do I lose all of the ability to manage that account at that point? Like, does it just all go to Apple? Like, I'm I'm not so sure. I, I'm keen to see how that ends yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it makes sense, especially on apps. I I do. Uh, they mentioned that it'll also work on on any device and on the web. Yep, that is really interesting because that that's also Apple saying we will. We will guard your privacy even on the web if if websites want to use this as the way for you not to have to register for an account and put in your a new password and all of that. Yep. They the websites implement this, we're not tracking you. Yeah. Where and and that's going to be a a bonus over using Facebook or Google. Definitely. I was concerned before this uh, event about shortcuts that I thought shortcuts would not make it into the keynote this year. It kind of did. Kind of. It, it, it got kind of rolled, conflated into Siri a little what bit. It got, I mean, what well, makes sense. I mean, I think it's in the Siri organization, yeah, right? It is. But, but what, what Shortcuts got was very interesting is that it's built in now. Yes. That's fascinating to me. Um, I really wonder what made that change. I got a theory. Go for it. Which is that um, they added triggers. They added shortcut automation with things like times. There is automation in shortcuts, but I do not know the extent of it yet. Uh, our friend Jammers in the chat room says automations include time, location, opening specific apps, and NFC tags. Oh my god! So opening I, my specific guess, apps. My guess is that Ooh. they once autom- or once a shortcut be you know ascends to a higher level like that, they need to just sort of ride with the system because it's like HomeKit. And there, one. I think the theory is once an app is so tied into the system that individual system updates cause could potentially cause changes in the app. They want to keep them in sync. They don't want the app and the system to ride the concern, separately. No. It the means shortcuts, shortcuts app has been updated a lot. Yeah, and it's not going to get updates except a dot. A that dot would be the assumption now, updates. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but although iOS, those dot updates happen. F- you know, and they could keep sneaking them in there. Yeah, they can. Right, that that would be the hope. But yeah, I mean, but the the exchange is is power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time of day, alarm, Apple Watch workout, arrive, leave location, connect to CarPlay, airplane mode. This is all stuff that was not in the demo, Ooh. but is on the website. Because again, we're in the bubble here where yep. we have not been able. And the and the by the way, the Apple websites you showed me before My we word. started, like. Even the Apple websites, it's hard to get through because there's so much detail. I've there. never seen the amount of detail. So, like when you go to to the like the the preview pages for iOS or whatever, you have your kind of like overview, but then there is a a tab called All New Features, and it lists everything, yeah, it's and it's enormous. a lot, enormous. Which is exciting though, because I'm, I'm I will be digging through more of that. But um, there's also a reference to more conversational. 
and shortcuts. I'm intrigued to see what that means. Yeah, it sounds like there's some interaction that's possible in terms of like yep. a follow-up question where you give an answer. Um, I don't know exactly, but it's uh, the, the people on the shortcuts Reddit have gone mad with as they would <laughs> details and digging in. And this is one of those things that um, we'll bookmark. And next week's episode, we will be losing our minds yeah. over this stuff in detail. Memoji no more. It's clearly Memoji. Did you notice that? No. Everyone was calling it Memoji. Memoji. We, Not Memoji. Everybody's just gotten over it. Memoji, Memoji is the name. So Casey wins because Casey. Casey, Casey called it Memoji. Everyone laughed at him. Yep. You it's can use Memoji. You can use Memoji on your Polybook or your I wondered if it was a, MacBook I Mini Pro. This. I wondered if it was a slip up, but everyone called it Memoji. So that's what it's called now. Um, I've really enjoyed the uh, opening video that they had by the two kind of uh, fashion and beauty YouTubers. Yeah, that was, that so was hilarious. Mm-hmm. When it started, I was like, oh, I don't know. But they killed it. Yeah. Adding AirPods in as an accessory. Yeah. That's hilarious. Apple. No, I think it's really good. And I was also thinking, I had two thoughts during that. One is um, when they were talking about makeup, because these are beauty and fashion uh, mm-hmm. uh, vloggers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, those, my daughter loves those. And um, and I thought, oh, you know, this is so great, but she's not going to be able to use these ma- the makeup and accessories because... And then they said, which is logical, but, you know, Apple doesn't need to extend features back to old hardware, right? Mm-hmm. Like they talk about having... Um, the phones that are three years old run okay. And they did focus, the first thing they did on iOS was talk about speed again, which I think is really great. Like Face ID is faster and and, and uh, apps launch faster and apps are smaller when they download. Like they clearly are also focused on that. But what they don't usually do is extend features backward several years. But with Memoji, because you don't need a Face ID scanner to put a character in those uh, poses they've extended memoji building back to older devices which means my daughter even though she doesn't have an iphone 10 or an ipad pro she can now build a memoji and use the stickers if she wants to and that's really cool because that's that's a a thing that of course you know a lot of times it happens that that we look at a feature and we're like well apple could totally have rolled that back two versions but they just they chose not to there's no technical reason why and here we see apple doing it and rolling that feature backward so that devices that couldn't support memoji now can that's cool and i got exactly what i wanted which was uh pre-made memoji stickers memoji stickers thank you uh with all of the faces in there i'm something i'm a little bit unclear on right now it it made it look like they were going to be in the emoji keyboard and could be used yes. anywhere. Yeah, that's what Tim said. Is that is that but those on the website, poses can be in the emoji keyboard? On the website, it says that Memoji automatically becomes sticker packs that live in your keyboard, so you can use them in messages, mail, and third-party apps. I'm not sure what yeah, it means. I don't know what the details are. But I desperately want emoji with my face. Right. That's what I want. Yeah. Now. So if they haven't given me that. That's what I want. But it looked like it. It was in the keyboard. Yeah. So I need to see exactly what's going on with this. But the idea that if I could send all emoji now with my own face, oh boy. Yeah, watch oh out. Oh boy. Watch out, everyone. Yeah, Mike Slack Moji is going to need a new feature where you can upload a emoji pack and then your emojis Whoa. are all you. Okay. I'm very excited Pretty about this. Pretty wild. I'm very excited about this. But I think from a pure like iOS on the iPhone perspective... I think those are the big things. Yeah, right. I, I think so. Like I said, the um, the the focus on 
speed and performance of uh, you know they didn't mention older systems but i think it's there i think that this that was their message um that they wanted to restate again that they have that ability to uh to try and get this thing to keep running faster that they haven't given up on that and i thought that was i thought that was good um uh, other things uh swipe keyboard yep that that was good. It's you know a long time coming, but I'm glad they finally you know basically accepted that yes you can do that. And uh, as much as I like the Google Gboard keyboard, I keep going back to the Apple keyboard because Gboard fails in a bunch of other ways that have to do more with the fact that it's not the primary system keyboard. And so to have swiping on the primary system keyboard is great. The only thing that I miss is that Gboard has emoji search. And I can't believe they haven't added emoji search. I it seems like such an easy thing mm-hmm. to have like to, like an it feels like it's not a particularly difficult feature because they've already tagged all the emoji with words um I I have no idea uh, it, yeah. it, that seems so wild to me and and some of the stuff is like getting trying to catch up to google um like the map stuff with look around is street view basically but it's stuff that was missing that they're adding so that's good. Um, it looked really good we, too. The animation it did like it has nice fit and finish, yeah. nice touch from from Apple's perspective. Um, they did just as they had the message about performance. They had the message about privacy. They they want to have a privacy message whenever they talk about a new product. And so in this case, we got like there's this uh, you know you can share location once. You can set that for an app just this one time. They give you a report about background tracking, which is interesting because this week there was that New York Times story about how these apps still wake up in the middle of the night and report your location. So you can you can uh, be aware of what they're doing. Blocking apps from using Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to scan around you in order to infer your location. I thought that was very clever. And uh, building a 10-day recording buffer for free with your iCloud account. Of security at, cameras. Because so many kit. of those security yeah. cameras try to sell you on these you know video storage things and then you're trusting your video to some random company and this is apple saying we will do it and not look and you get 10 days of recording for free that that is i think bigger than it seems because as somebody who has bought some of these cameras i would be much more comfortable not only i'm already paying apple for storage so the, the fact that i just get 10 days of storage is great but the fact that it's sort of at apple who has no desire or need to look through my video footage i really um i like that and then um, the it, it came in the Mac, but it covers these other products too. It's the Find My update yep, yep. where they're doing a thing that's kind of like some of these other tracker devices, but the difference being that they're sending out a little ping saying, I exist, and other Apple devices see that, and it's all private and anonymized so and like encrypted. Apple have just created the best tracking system available yes. on the planet. And they have solved the problem of, oh no, my f- my thing wasn't on Wi-Fi, and so I can't find it. Now it's like it doesn't need to be on Wi-Fi. Yep. If it's lost somewhere in, you know, in a couch cushion and it wasn't on Wi-Fi, as long as it had a battery and was pinging at some point and there was an Apple device around, which is pretty much everywhere, yep. it will be on a map and you can find it. That's going to save people so it's much hassle like it's that is unbelievable as a yeah. feature to, to add and and it's not new idea and we talked about this a few months ago when this rumor happened it's not a new idea but the difference is that if you're a third-party app hope and you're hoping to sell a few thousand of this the chances that anybody's going to see your whatever 
is very low. But if you can literally have every single Apple device or whatever, 85% that are running the current OS, see your thing and report back if they spot it, um, that's what makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, most definitely. All right, let's take our first break and we'll thank our friends over at Luna Display for their support of this show. They are the makers of the only hardware solution that will turn your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac, meaning you will have a second display that is super portable with basically zero lag and stunning image quality. I've been a huge fan of Luna Display. I've been using mine for months and months now. I have it plugged into my Mac Mini and then I can access my Mac from wherever I am at home. I absolutely love it. I get to use my Apple Pencil. I get to use my smart keyboard and my bridge keyboard to interact with the Mac Mini really is just a wonderful solution to be able to access my Mac whenever I want to. Because setting up extra screens is a fiddly affair, but Luna Display makes it so easy to do. You just plug the dongle into your Mac and you're ready to go. Everything works over Wi-Fi, or it can also work over USB as well if you're in a situation without a connection. Luna Display is a complete extension for your Mac, and the all-new Liquid Video Engine brings wonderful, significantly reduced latency and a faster screen refresh rate. Listeners of this show can get an exclusive 10% off at a, de- a wonderful discount at Luna Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code UPGRADE at checkout. That is lunadisplay.com promo code UPGRADE at checkout for 10% off your own Luna Display. Go there right now and upgrade your setup. You're going to love it. lunadisplay.com promo code UPGRADE for 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. The surprise of all surprises. I was blown away. I think I screamed. Uh, at this moment, <laughs> as I was told that in the in the keynote area, uh, many other people did too. iPad OS, yeah. So it broke ten minutes before the keynote. Really, I didn't see it. Here's the thing. So we talk about where the leaks come from, right? They come from images that are updated too quickly, or you know, at, at a guessable URL. And we always say, "Come on, Apple." But the fact is, Apple is so big. I was Federico and I kind of were talking about this. Um, Apple's so big that a, a, a leak, you plug one leak, another leak springs out. So minutes before the keynote, Apple updated its terms and conditions. So it's the lawyers. One of the things that the terms and conditions said is tvOS, watchOS, iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. And I'm somebody, so all, I somebody this. has a script that just yeah. runs a diff on the terms and conditions every time they change. And they're like, oh, iPad OS. And so it's too bad because that would have been an amazing surprise. It was for me because I didn't see that leak. But so. we saw that just before it got started. And Federico and I were both like, yeah, makes sense. And, and actually, before we get into the details of it, um, I think when, when Apple's got a shared app platform, right, where you're going to be able to write these apps um, on, and they're going to deploy on iPhone and iPad and Mac now. Um, and iPad, in many ways, is getting closer to the Mac. There, there comes a point when iPad and iPhone can't really hang together exactly anymore. Yes. And there's no point, you know, you, you differentiate Mac. Why don't you differentiate iPad when they're different? And I think where the rubber meets the road here is when you start introducing these multi-fingered gestures that make sense on a big screen but don't make sense on a little iPhone screen. I mean, you could argue that um, drag and drop started to strain this where Apple felt like drag and drop wasn't good enough for the iPhone. I disagree. I think that you should be able to drag and drop between apps on the iPhone. But the more... I wonder internally at Apple if there came a point where where somebody was like, we need to do these... You know, you can do a three-finger pinch and, and, and... uh, do a copy and a paste. And they're like, oh, but 
you know, that changes the copy and paste behavior. And on an iPhone, do you really want to do that? And you start to say, how many features do we have that we have to say, this is on the iPad, this is on the iPhone, before you have to break them apart and say, you know what? Big screens are different from little screens. And I, uh, when I saw the, the copy and paste gesture, I thought that is the kind of thing. Maybe that wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back, but that's the kind of thing that um, means you should separate these two. Yeah. <laughs> so these new gestures, well, it comes with a bunch of stuff around text selection. So uh, no more magnifying glass when you're trying to select text. You can drag the cursor around by tapping on it and dragging it. Yeah, I um, want to see what that's like because too. I've gotten so used to tapping somewhere where I want to place the cursor. And if that's gone and I, I have to like not. hunt for the cursor, well, what they want is like a quick tap. But what they don't want you to do is like tap and hold it too long because then that's going to start a selection. So... That, and that feels like one of those things that they may tweak over the summer, right? Where they, they turn it out to people and it turns out, oh, this, this interaction doesn't work quite right. And they'll, they'll tweak it a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't good to see the presenter struggling. Yeah, like because again, if I have to find the blinking text cursor and then go grab it and move it somewhere mm-hmm. else, I'm not sure that's a better experience. I'm just in, I'm intrigued, right? Than like, tapping? Uh, the, the text selection stuff, I think the jury's out on, but the copy, cut, copy, and paste gestures are, I think, fantastic. Yeah, and, and having, I've used those text selection gestures in, the, like, the Kindle app all the time, and they actually are incredibly intuitive, and I, I know why copy and paste was done the way it was, where you've got the contextual menus and all of that, but I, I hope that this is a better system and we'll you got to try it out because this is going to be one of those things where i'm sure they went through 50 different iterations of it and once you get the feel for it you might say oh yes this makes perfect sense i'm excited that they're trying something different rather than just sort of sticking what we got with ios 3 or whatever slide over on steroids yeah, slide over is banned from Baseball Hall of Fame now. It's incredible. It's, yeah, the that was an interesting idea that that how do you deal with slide over coming and going, which has been a problem with slide over for a while now. And the answer is slide over is like an iPhone. It's yeah. Sli- yeah. So so with slide over you can bring up a a multitasking view Holy in moly. the slide over, or you can just swipe. It's like using left an to iPhone. Right. It's, it's just like using an iPhone. It's like you've got a little iPhone floating wow. over your iPad. It even had its own um, home indicator. Yeah, yeah. It's literally a an iPhone. What a genius there. way to deal with that, right? Isn't that smart, right? Like we have this system in the iPhone that people are used to now. So we'll just build it in as a window on the iPad now as well. And like, right. this is just, a fan- like now, now the apps can exist in multiple places. It's like, that is just a great way to deal with it. You know, you can have notes in SlideOver and you can have a bunch of notes windows open and you can just use them all and just swipe between them. And I'm so excited about the split view stuff, the multiple uh, spaces, you know, being able to split an app in half and use it side by side on each other or take one of those views and put it with something else and then that, app expose. That Fantastic. actually went further than i thought they would go i didn't think they would commit to the idea that that an app can run essentially as many windows as you want Mm -hmm. not just in split view but in different sets of split views um, or different windows where you could essentially have multiple iterations of the app open at once and then because and my thought was well that gets really confusing and what do you do when you want to switch between them? And the answer is they also build app expose so that you can get between them. Again, devil's in the details. I was kind of expecting they were going to say you can tap and hold on the notes icon in the dock and it'll show you options. Um, but instead, it's sort of like what you do is you end up in 
uh, multitasking view for notes and you can pick them, which we'll see how that works. Yeah. But you need to be able to, you can't be chasing windows of an app across different spaces, right? Mm-hmm. That gets really weird really fast. So um, I'm impressed that they went there because I thought that they were going to keep it simpler than that, where it's like, well, you can have two open at once, but you can't have two open at once and it opens somewhere else. Yep. And they said, sure, you can. You absolutely can. So it looks like the overall design of uh, widgets, the uh, notification center, lock screen widgets, whatever you call them these days, I can never remember the actual name for them now. There, there are widgets. Yeah, but they have been today. Like, the, the, we, the today view, but they're the widgets. Today view, but the the overall design of them has been simplified. Like in general, they look a yeah. lot cleaner, and that's really nice because now they'll be able to be pinned to your home screen. Yeah. So the way they did this is very smart. Um, they tightened up the home screen a little bit, but when so we all tried to imagine. We tried to imagine, like, what would it be like? And there was a lot of, like, well, you know, are you going to do free placement of icons? Is it going to be like Android? You know, Android widgets are not great. I, Whenever I use Android, I'm like, oh, I get to use widgets. And then I put the widgets on. I'm like, they're too big. And, they're... Mm-hmm. and so you use the space of the iPad screen. And you basically say, if you want to keep... Those widgets are great. They're actually incredibly powerful. And they're out of sight. And you forget that they're there. So you can just swipe and have them live next to your icons and all the icons just get a little closer yep. together. They're kind of like buddying up. They're staying warm, huddling together for warmth. And then you have widgets and the time and you know, all that like hanging on the screen there. That's great because that makes those widgets, just having them in your face, I think, is a, is a powerful thing. Uh, new Apple Pencil tools. So there's a palette that's in you know it's in some apps like notes and stuff that can be freely moved around which is really nice right like there's like a kind of a window that can be moved around um but and there's a new markup feature which is really great so using the apple pencil you swipe up and you can take a effectively a screenshot you can mark it up but you can also look at let's say you're on a web page it will capture the entire web page right so you don't have to scroll Um, yeah that's so good i mean that's like a utility on the mac to do something like that mm -hmm. and they're like no just let's have the idea of a whole document or a partial document and you can mark up either yep um, and so then uh, you can, oh, uh, and developers can implement this now. There's like an Apple Pencil kit, effectively. I don't remember yeah, the that, exact name of it. That's but. a big deal, too, because that solves the problem of everybody having to try and reinvent the wheel in terms of It will of allow more input. applications to put Apple Pencil support in where they otherwise wouldn't have. Right, because they're like, not going to build it themselves. Exactly. If you're an application that is an app, is a note-taking app, well, that's part of your job, maybe, to do it on your own up until now. Maybe you'd still want to because you can have different features. Um, yeah, I think it's called Pencil Kit, Ganley in, in the chat is mentioning. Uh, but now you can imagine many other types of applications be like, oh, it would be nice to have this mode in. Well, let's just use Apple's tools and it's done, which is wonderful. Uh, sidecar. So we just read an ad for Luna Display. This is Apple's version of Luna Display. Yeah, I don't... It's all about the details. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this works. I wonder what its limitations are. I wonder if it's just Luna Display. It looked like it. I mean, honestly, I mean, it the way like they, they described were reading it, a Luna Display so ad. What I always say about this is that when something gets Sherlocked, generally... Apple leaves, it doesn't always happen, didn't happen with Sherlock. Uh, Generally, and Watson, I guess, was the name of the Mm -hmm. app that got Sherlocked, ironically. um, Generally, what happens is Apple hits something in the middle, and there's stuff at the edges that is not worth Apple doing. And so for a company like uh, Luna Display, those guys are going to have to find the edges. Like, what does Apple's thing not do? And that's what they're going to need to support. Mm-hmm. Also, they'll have support of everything that that you know predates um, 
predates uh, Mac OS Catalina, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I bet they'll find some things at the edges. Yeah. That, I mean, that these we'll see, do. right? Like Apple's thing could be great. It could have some limitations. I mean, it certainly seemed like the way that they pitched it. Like yeah. it's got everything. Honestly, the thing that I guess is going to be in that's going to still work great for Luna Display and not work for Sidecar is initiating a, sh- a mirrored view from the iPad, which is how all of us are using, who are using our iPad to control a Mac Mini that's hiding somewhere. I'm not sure that's going to work. You're right. We'll see, right? Because the, the way Apple pitches it is you're on your Mac, because they put this in the Mac section. They didn't put it in the iOS section, yeah. right? Or the iPad OS se- section. Put it in the Mac it section. It is considered like, like on Apple's uh, website as a feature of iPad OS, but yes. But, I, I but you point. start on the Mac and then you push it to the iPad. Yeah. And so will you be able to pull a Mac from your iPad or not? Maybe not. And that would actually be, ironically, the feature that Luna Display did not intend to be big that everybody kind of started getting excited about which is kicking off a Mac session in an app on your iPad mm-hmm. might be a thing that Apple doesn't serve. It becomes a selling point for yeah, them. Yeah, maybe. Tiny floating keyboard. I can't believe it's taken <laughs> them this of long you. to do it. I thought of you for that. This just is like pinch, perfect. You just, I got a little keyboard. I got a lot of screen real estate. Sometimes you just want to peck with a little uh, Sometimes keyboard. I'm holding my iPad and I need to type. With and one hand. Yeah, and you're holding it in one hand and you're typing, and it's wild, especially on a 12.9. But now you could you shrink it down and you can just you could hold it and you could do the swipe typing with your thumb in the corner. I think it's just a nice thing that you can have, and that's wonderful. Uh, custom fonts in the App Store. Yeah, that's that an was interesting the second choice. shoe to drop, mm-hmm. like that that I wasn't expecting. So if I have custom font licenses that I've bought on the Mac, I can't bring them in. They have to be on the App Store is what it seems like, right? That's where you get your fonts. You buy them on the App Store. I'm really intrigued to see what the pricing is like for fonts, what the availability is like for fonts. Um, that is kind of fascinating to me as the way to deal with this problem. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about the details because it what it doesn't cover is if you get fonts from some other means and so that's kind of my question is is there also an api for apps to add fonts to the system or not and we'll find out because like when you buy microsoft office you get fonts when you buy adobe like i have the adobe bundle you get access to all these fonts that you can install on the mac but you can't install on ios so um my guess is that yes my guess is that for the general public, you'll just be able to buy fonts on the App Store, but that there'll be some other way to add apps from uh, other sources too that won't we'll be see. as won't be as nice. But like, because Adobe should really be able if if you you know buy a software package that comes bundled with twenty fonts, they should be able to say, "Hey, system, here are the fonts, and just have them uh, appear." We'll see. Files, Mike. Um, we got it. Federico and I whooped. <laughs> Marco took a picture of me after they announced <laughs> external storage support, I guess, because he figured I would be beaming, which I kind of was. I clapped at that. Yep. I, I think I was the first person. You probably can't hear me because I was, I was way back, but I think I was the first person to exclaim and I made a sound and I started to clap uh, when they mentioned uh, external storage support. I got, I got out of the gate faster there. Honestly, never thought I'd see the day. So external storage support, so you can plug in a thumb drive 
You can plug yeah. in some kind of this SD is, card reader. This is all the stuff that they got beat up about when the yep. iMac Pro came out. And it's, again, one of those things where it's Apple's vision of the future versus reality, which yep. is, you know what? People in businesses who are supposed to be using these iPad Pros, they got friends with thumb drives, colleagues with thumb drives who bring a presentation that you can open on your iPad, but you literally can't plug it into the iPad. Well, you can, but it doesn't do anything. And that's out the window. And then on top of that, people in offices have servers that are shared SMB in the office. Servers. And they put the SMB support in there for the same reason. So this means that the iPad Pro now is as trustworthy, more or less, as any laptop in a business scenario where you need to connect to the server and you need to share. You connect to the server, you could have used a third-party app before. There are some good third-party apps that do that that will now be kind of Sherlock. But you know this needed to be in the Files app. And then the USB thing, you have you basically have to have the system support that. And so this is and enormous. And it's more than just files too. So an app like Lightroom, you can import directly in. Right, another huge thing because it used to be that all that stuff had to go into the photos database and then move to Lightroom. Yeah. Well, like the idea of it going into iCloud and it's the same problem. You're then going to upload all those things to iCloud when you yeah. don't want to because all you really want to do is put them into Lightroom. And I don't know uh, the the details matter, but like if I'm Ferrite and I'm an audio app, mm-hmm. can I look at external storage and say I can import these files and actually just import right off? I would expect that it should be able to do what Lightroom can do, which is, you know, a third-party app instead of having to bring it onto the files app even in local storage which they they had a local storage up there presumably they're they're making it a little bit more powerful to save files on your ipad so that you don't on, want on to my sync. ipad is now user savable yeah. you can create folders and save That's your own stuff in on my because iPad. because sometimes you don't want to sync an enormous file in the cloud you just want to save it on your ipad so uh yeah i don't even know they, they uh zip and archives zip and and are all in there yep you so can zip it, it on zip it is like the people column view yeah column view which Quick i've never actions. i never liked the column view but it's like the this, column view boy yeah over yeah federico was excited about it too and uh you know that was steve jobs's favorite view he, he loved the column view all the way from next mm. so having that quick actions which is a mac concept that they've brought to to ipad os where you can select an image or whatever and say let's rotate this image or whatever do something very quickly mm-hmm. about it they're uh, interesting way where they're sort of having the interfaces parallel them each other which that's pretty cool so that was essentially somebody gave the people in charge of the files app on ipad os finally the time and the authorization to go down the wish list talk about wish list the item on the jason snow wish list (sighs) desktop safari how bad are the google docs ios apps That Apple made a point of oh. saying, hey, you can just load Google Docs mm-hmm. in in Safari now in desktop mode. And it's not just... So what they didn't... The answer is they're bad, by the way. The yep. answer is those Google apps on, on iPad are really bad. Um, the... The details here matter because a lot of the a lot of times when we talked about doing a desktop class version of Safari on iPad, what we got is people saying, "Oh, well, you can't do that because they assume that you have a mouse." All all of these things, and my answer was always, "Well, yeah, but Apple's pretty clever. They can, you know, they can know that you're on an iPad and do things to make it still work." And it that's what like they that's said. What they've done something. That's what they said. Right? Is they they are doing things. The touch. They, yeah, they are doing things to make stuff that might have not worked right without a mouse work. And that might be, you know, I'm sure that WebKit 
there are going to be details about this, but it's probably doing things with like JavaScript, like drop down menus and things like that, where, you know, a tap is a rollover and, you know, and then the next tap is a, is a click or something like that, where they, where they are trying to do the right thing. But I love this because that was one of my great frustrations on the iPad is that sometimes you just couldn't use a web page because it was trying to treat it like a baby browser. And also per site settings, which I think means that you will be able to per site say, load this as a desktop site. Yeah, and they also had like uh, text size and stuff like that um, so that you can set those per site. Right. So, and there's like a bunch of other little settings as well. And a download manager. So, if Which you want files, if you want to download a, a zip file from Bandcamp of an album you just bought, you can save it in files and then you can unzip those files and then mail I don't know attachments what. go there now too. Oh, wow. So, mail and Safari both, both push to a downloads folder, which lives in files. Amazing. It, this iPad OS, so this is a brand new operating system by and large. Surely this means a frequency, an increased frequency in iPad enhancements because they now have another operating system to talk about, right? Like, whenever they come up at WWDC, in theory now, they have five operating systems to give an update on every year and iPad is one of them. The fact that they have done this must mean that they are going to continue to push the iPad. The jumps that they have taken this year, some of the steps that they have made are huge and I can only imagine this being a good thing, right, for people like me and you. Yeah, I... Well, honestly, one of the things that I hadn't really thought about before about it being iPad OS is there's nowhere to hide. And that's exciting because what that means is next year, what Apple can't do is say... Another year, more great iOS features. Here are all these features, and they're all iPhone features. By having iPad OS be its own well, they thing, can. iOS is iPhone OS, and then the iPad. I mean, but, but funny this, thing, but is this it is, still gets them all. It's it, really interesting. It, well, yeah, because they move in they move in sync, but they're not the same yeah. exact iteration. But I guess what I'm saying is, next year, if they don't, if they do this thing where every two years the iPad gets updates. Next year, if they say, yeah, iPad OS doesn't really have anything except what's in iPhone OS, it's going to be way more iOS. It's going to be way more obvious than it has been before. Mm -hmm. Because I think saying that iPhone OS is its own thing implies it's going to be handled as its own thing and get up or iPad OS on its own, um, not its own time frame, because these all come out the same time every year. But with its own set of priorities that you can't it, it seems to me that it makes it harder for them to get away with doing an empty update to the iPhone or to there the iPad OS. Support. Yeah, so um it sounds like as Federico reported there is a uh, mouse support oh in assisted t- assistive touch in accessibility. Wow, Steve Trout and Smith has found it. Um it works with a magic trackpad plugged in. Yeah, what's weird is that it seems to not work with, only. not work with Bluetooth, which I, I don't really understand. I'm going to use the absolute but... loving frick out of this feature, Jason, when I put it in my stand, and I'm going to be trackpadding it. Oh my god, this is amazing! I'm so excited about this. Yeah, it means that if Bridge uh, wants to do a, a trackpad version of the Bridge keyboard, they're going to have to have a cable. little like a USB cable. Hey, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. But uh, it's better than nothing. I don't know why they wouldn't support Bluetooth pointing devices, but there it is. This is is version one. 
right? And but like I desperately wanted this feature. I don't care how I have to have it. Yeah. Um. I I really want it because for uh, accessibility for myself, right? Like it's genuine. It's for my posture. Yeah. Like I I really desperately need to be able to use my iPad in a stand because when I'm sitting at my desk, it's not good for me to be looking down so much. And now being able to use a trackpad along with my keyboard, that's going to be a huge deal. Looks like Bluetooth mice work with it, but not the magic trackpad over Bluetooth right now. That's weird. Then again, it's a beta too. Maybe it'll all be there later on. Or oh, maybe I'm they'll so take, take things out. But but pointing device, and we'll see what the details are and if it really feels good or if it feels weird. But if I can use that to do text selection, uh, that'll be great. All right. So is that it for iPad OS? You know, I'm sure it's not, but I feel like that's probably most of the highlights like there there was so much going on on ipad os i i just you know i'm I, so excited about this i cannot wait to try one uh me too i'm i brought a uh, i brought an ipad to wwdc boy i hate saying that dub dub dc what's dub dub now is the uh well it's apples d- or www.dc.apple <laughs> No, it's dubbed up now. I hate um, it, but they've they wrote it on the wall. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, I brought an iPad to San Jose, uh, a sacrificial iPad Pro 10.5, and it's going to get it. And <laughs> we'll see what happens there, but I'm looking forward to it. Today's episode is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now, sometimes, not sometimes, cybercrime, right? This is something, it seems like it happens in the movies. It's hard to imagine someone wanting to try and get hold of your information, but stealing data using public Wi-Fi is an easy way for bad guys to make money, and it happens to normal people. Yeah, isn't that what, like, uh, there's a whole Batman movie about cybercrime, I feel that? like. I feel like Batman, no, Batman's the cybercriminal, isn't it? And in the Dark Knight, he, uh, yeah. they, they, like, use all of everybody's phones to give him echolocation. Exactly. Like, that's, like, you don't want Batman looking at your you phone. You don't want that, and that's why you need ExpressVPN, because if you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable to bad people or Batman. Uh, but there is something that you can do to protect yourself. You can start using ExpressVPN right now. Don't wait. Go and sign up for it right now. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, and hiding your public IP address. With easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device, you can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, and you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I am sitting in a hotel room right now which means I turn on ExpressVPN as soon as I get here and connect to the Wi-Fi. And then I feel safe and secure about what I'm going to be doing on my devices. So for less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and you want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need to be using ExpressVPN. VPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade right now and you can sign up today. So go to once uh, and you can get three months for free actually if you go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade and you can find out more there. expressvpn.com slash upgrade for three months free for one year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. Woo. All right, Jason Snell. Mac Pro and Mac the Pro, Pro Display XDR. Now, can we just give a, a shout out to friend of the show, Colleen Novielli? Yes, made her uh, her public speaking debut on she Upgrade. She was amazing. 
and she made her stage debut today. She was absolutely wonderful. She was showing off the Pro Display XDR, one of my fav- honestly one of my favorite presentations of the whole day because she seemed so excited about it. Um, I especially liked when she started wooing. It was brilliant. Like it, it was a great it was a great thing. But wow, okay. Mac Pro, this wasn't what I expected. Uh, on the Six Colors Secret Podcast on Friday, I made a prediction of... I decided I, I, I hadn't put it anywhere, and I thought... I had a moment where I thought, oh, you know, I think I was listening to ATP. It's like, I know what the the next Mac Pro is going to be. I said, they're going to go back... It's going to be a modern version of the Cheese Grater Mac, because that one worked. It You need the space for uh, slots. You need the ventilation. It is you know, clad in metal and they'll do some new aluminum stuff with it and whatever, but that it's basically a tower. So they're just going to do a tower with an Apple spin on it. And that's exactly what they did. In fact, it looks more like a box grater than the old one did. The holes are a little large for my, uh, my liking. So it's going to take, yeah, we'll see. It's going to take some getting used to. It actually reminded me the new, um, TARDIS interior on Doctor Who has okay. these has these circles with these kind of shapes inside them that are this kind of scalloped look, and it looks a little bit like that. So uh, I guess BBC set designers get a time time for a Mac Pro for you, Jason. Now we're the first, I think, the first uh, podcast in our in, in Relay and in the wider expanded universe to talk about the Mac Pro. Yes. So I think we need to address the most important thing. Uh, okay, Jason, is this an ugly computer? <laughs> I think it might be. I I think it is I'm going to leave it to others to decide, but I would say it is kind of a piece of industrial furniture because it's meant to be used in serious workplace environments. Mm-hmm. I think it looks good, but I think it's kind of brutal. Yeah, it, brutal is a great word to describe it. Uh it is it is harsh on the eyes, this one, I think. I think it looks better in person, and I think you might get used to it, but yeah. it, it is it is aggressive and brutal. Um, but l- let me say why. Like, I don't yeah. think it is a particularly good-looking computer, but I actually think that that is a good thing. I think Apple very clearly put function over form with this device. Yes, for sure. And that's, that that's why they went back to the cheese grater. we wanted. Because the, um, they put form over function, right? And, and I, I will happened. tell you... I would tell you in my in my discussions with people at Apple today, they they don't talk about the trash can Mac Pro. They talk, talk about, about the cheese the grater, can. but they won't talk about the trash can. But when they talk about this new one, the box grater, whatever we want to call it, the new Mac Pro, what they talk about all the time is overhead. How much overhead they built into this. And if you recall, the reason that the trash can Mac Pro died is because it turned out it was not built with any overhead and they couldn't put faster, hotter things in it because they couldn't cool them. And Mm. this one, by going back to this other design, they've got two different... It's three fans and a blower. It's two different isolated thermal systems. I'm worried systems. if you get too close to this thing, it will pull you through to the other side. No, so, <laughs> so it, no. Um, they say that at uh, sort of standard use, it's quieter than the iMac Pro. Um, the, it's just it's three very large fans in the front, mm-hmm. so they're you know they don't have to rotate quite as fast. And one of the things they've done is they've built this this ventilation path. Um, and if you look at the um, the cards, the, these modules, these MPX modules, 
Um, this is the graphics card system that Apple's well, built, so, right? So all of these modules. So so whether you look at if you look at the um, the processor, if you look at the graphics card module, if you look at that video encoding module, the afterburner, and then there are others like Promise is announcing like a RAID that you can stick in it with like four spinning discs. And there's also a two disc thing that you can stick in that. But the design that they've got in common, in addition to like the black, uh, you know, metal and all that is what Apple wants people to do is build these cards with huge heat sinks and, um, and then use the ventilation of the chamber of the Mac Pro to do the blowing. Because what they don't want is eight fans inside of it blowing on their individual cards. So the, what, the stuff that Apple has designed, those cards don't have fans. They have huge heat sinks. And then the, the Mac Pro has the fans. And the Mac Pro does the, the blowing through the case and out the back. So... You know, what they kept telling me is it's about headroom. It's about the fact that this thing is not just built to handle what's currently in there, but that it's built to handle way more power than the stuff that's in there actually needs, which the implication is very strong that when new stuff comes out that has higher, you know, requirements, they will be able to just slide those in and those will work too. So, you know, they learned... Clearly, they learned the hard lesson of the Trashcan Mac Pro yep. and have gone the other way because it has to be functional. Um, they, they've heard from a lot of angry pros. I, I think I actually had somebody from Apple make mention of a site that they visited and said that they were all still on the cheese grater Mac Pros. And that's in, an interesting admission because that's an admission that the last Mac Pro generation, that customer didn't bother buying them and that's telling so it's wild you know, that they have a raid version too right they have like a not a raid version a um rack version oh yeah the, yeah and i didn't get any details on that but like it's it's rackable they there's a a, a variation that you can it's put wild. on its side and you can slide it in and it can and, go put wheels on it and which is and hilarious you can put wheels on it. well that's brilliant. what i mean about industrial furniture yeah. right like there's something to that um the and the way it's built it's like a um it's this. It's a stainless steel frame, so it's almost like a piece of um, IKEA furniture, or like a or like its own storage rack or its own equipment rack, where the stainless frame and everything's kind of hanging off of that. Yep. And then there's this uh, aluminum shell. The way it works is that when it looks like a normal computer, there's this little circular thing on the top, and and it's like a handle, and you flip it up it's and like turn the cube. it. And then lift it off, and the huh. whole thing lifts off. So instead of a door, the whole chassis lifts off, and you're left with this stainless steel frame inside that everything's hanging off of. Also means that when you pick it up to move it around, you're not picking up like things that are screwed to the top. You're actually picking up the entire frame. Um, it's uh yeah, it's they they look they screwed up the last one, yeah, and they know it. And when they did that thing two years ago, where they said we know we blew it, and we are going to do a, a a new Mac Pro, this is this is them and they, and they formed that whole pro group right where they're like talking to their customers this is them saying yeah we know we blew it we've listened and we want to give you everything that you asked for and some stuff that you didn't expect mm -hmm. because we you know we want to build this so we can do an update to it in a year or two years or three years and have it still work so we don't have to build I mean like they don't want to build a new Mac Pro chassis for another 10 years right they don't want to do that so they built this thing to handle it I mean a lot of the technical specifications of this machine are served discussed on ATP which I'm really we're going to see that tonight and I'm yeah. excited to see what Mac, the Mac Pro Live. about it <laughs> 
<laughs> Mac Pro Live. It's but, a podcast about the Mac Pro. But for there's the a next bunch of months. stuff like the, the the amount of ports that this thing has and can have more of because of expansion. Yeah, you cards. can have up to twelve Thunderbolt par- ports if you just keep putting on um, different I/O cards, cards, and, stuff. and you can drive six of those new displays, and it's bananas. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that display. So, Apple's created <laughs> Extreme. Dynamic range, it's totally XDR. Extreme. Yeah, I saw that in person. That was pretty. It's pretty wild. They have this done. This thing is also uh, complicated to look at. So they did. They did a. Uh, before we get to the the is it is it pretty? I think from the front it's pretty, and if you don't like that lattice, then you won't like it from the back. Because yeah, there's a. It has a fan, yeah. which I know is going to freak John Syracuse out. But they said it that the fan is less than seven decibels, so it's like below room noise. So it's basically inaudible. Right. Okay. Um, but it is there. But there is a fan yeah. because they're doing so much with it. And what? And they put us in a room with um, a, a couple of existing displays that are considered sort of like pro-level computer displays that are like one's $2,000 and one's like $6,000. And then also reference monitor monitors, Sony professional reference monitors that are in the 20s of thousands of dollars and, uh, and, they, and these new displays. And Apple's message is essentially none of those displays can do everything that the Apple displays can do. But at their pinnacle, because like the the Sony displays, although they look as good as the Apple displays, if you go off to the side, they don't look good. They mm. they they you really have to be viewing them front on. But the larger point that Apple's trying to make, unusual for them, because they usually will say we have the best. What they were sort of saying is, well, we have the best, but also from the front. We look like that Sony display that costs twenty six thousand dollars, and ours doesn't cost twenty six thousand dollars. So it's not twenty six, forty six thousand dollars. So, so this is this is Apple's. This is sort of Apple's pitch here: is that this is the best computer monitor that you can buy, better than anything that's out there from Dell or ISO, and it's essentially the same quality you would get in a forty eight thousand dollar sony monitor um especially since it can maintain that that hundred nits of brightness whereas some of the other displays they either um after a while they they auto dim because they can't keep up that the the heat that's involved or um in the case of the iso monitor it can it can um it can't display the range so when you get when it gets really bright you can see all the blacks lift up and become gray and that just doesn't happen on yep. this display so on that level it's pretty amazing they've they've engineered 576 independent LEDs that are doing backlighting they've got all these different layers it's it's a uh, it's a seven layer burrito of innovation <laughs> they've got seven layers uh that are doing these things with the blue backlights so that they're steering them yep. like it is funny because this is really Apple saying, okay, we can take this panel. How do we make this panel great? And the answer is they take the panel and then they built this huge system behind the panel, which is great. I mean, if you look at the price, it's not cheap, but at the same time for what it is, it, you know, if you, it, it's comparable to what you get in a 40, first off, it's comparable to what you get in a $40,000 reference monitor. But I think the other point is that that ISO display that people are currently buying that costs $6,000 and this thing costs six thousand dollars yeah but you can't really do anything with it with six thousand well it costs five thousand and then if you want to stand that's it's it. another thousand and that's if 6, you want 000. a visa mount and it's 400 yeah or it's it's 199 for the visa mount i think isn't it 999 for the stand 
but then you have to mount it okay. somewhere. Yes. And then there's the nano texture version, which is another thousand, which I didn't get to see um, up close, where they're trying to do a matte version that is does well, not have the limitations. With glass. They're just etched glass. Yeah. Well, the, this when is. When do I get that on an iPad? It's like, well, yeah, right. Well, I mean, if it's an extra thousand dollars, is maybe the chance. <laughs> but this is like Marco putting a screen protector on his iPad. In I order did it to too. Do the anti glare, right? Oh yes. That's uh, why I want it on my iPad. Except they're no good, right? Because no, they, they do that weird rainbowing thing. That's right. The shimmer or mm-hmm. whatever they called it. So it's not cheap, but this is their argument is that is that rather than make, they didn't engineer this product to be cheap. They, they engineered it to be good. And then they're pricing it where actually compared to, um, not only is it cheaper than the $43,000 currently available Sony monitor or the $48,000 formerly available <laughs> Sony monitor. But if you take that ISO monitor, that's six grand, it's way better than that. And that's their argument is basically like, you don't need a reference monitor in your video pro space. Instead, buy, need this one. buy five of these and put them on people's desks. And then instead of having a chain where you have to pass things off until you get to the reference monitor, everybody can just have a reference monitor on their <sighs> desk. And again, will a regular person need this monitor? Um, uh, no. And the but good thing you, is, like, if, if it you, matters, even if you buy a, a Mac Pro, you can just use another Thunderbolt display for sure, right? You can, and and you can still buy those. You can still go with that. Um, are the I love that the uh, on the stand it goes into portrait orientation as well. That, so the stand that kind of made me want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. The stand is a bit awkward looking. Um, it's kind of, but it's at the height that it needs to be because the iMac stand, in my opinion, and I know you feel the same because you're a facer guy. It's too low. I have my iMac sitting yeah. up on this little so metal thing. You can adjust it uh, 120 millimeters in height. So there's some there's some room to but adjust it up general, and down. In general, it is higher up, and you though, can, isn't it? And it is higher up, and you can tilt it from 25 degrees to minus five. So there's some there's 30 degrees of tilt, mm-hmm. 100 millimeters of height adjustment. Um, it is also that stand is also kind of kind of brutal, right? It's like a right angle. It, it's not super curvy or anything, but it fits in with the kind of design language they're going for for this thing. And it's meant for you know it's meant for serious business. Also has to be high enough. So that you can rotate it. That's part of the trick of yeah. having it be rotatable. Yep. Is is if it's too low down, you have to. I used to have a rotatable monitor like that. For, I think it was an NEC monitor, and in order to rotate it, you had to slide it up. <laughs> it went up, and then you turn it because it couldn't rotate at its base level, which is dumb. But that's how. It yeah, worked. that is kind of weird, right? Because you just like turn it and hit the corner yeah. of it into the desk. Yeah. I do find myself wondering about John Syracuse. We'll just promote ATP Live, which is which is coming up. Uh, you know, they're recording that in a few hours. Yeah. You know, it, I can't is, wait to find is out. Is this what one he of thinks. those things where John Syracuse doesn't need a hundred nits uh, or a, and doesn't need a million to one HDR ratio or it's anything the, the like prices. that? Like, I just don't know about. I, I just can't fathom. But like, for so six thousand dollars, six grand, you can get an Apple monitor for and six the monitor grand. Is six grand. It does. By the way, it doesn't have a uh, webcam on it, but. I think Logitech yeah. is announced they've partnered with Logitech. Logitech's got a thing for it that is a oh. web a 4K webcam that sits on top and is designed to blend for in. For six grand? I would have liked Face ID. For six grand? So I think what they said was 
the where the where these things go. I don't care. Um, there are issues with uh, if you put a camera in it, you're making the bezels bigger, and they want them all like next to each other. And they all they, they said that for the, six grand, I want a camera. Well, I want I, not only do I want a webcam in it, I want Face ID. Yeah. And I'll say it's a thousand grand. nits. I don't know how many nits it is. I haven't. You know, Give my me. kids my kids had lice when they were oh, little, Jason. but since then, Jason, I, Jason. I don't know Dad how many jokes. nits are in. I'll take nine hundred nits if I can have a, if I can have Face okay, ID. Okay, you in can't it. have that though because the pro customers don't want Face ID. I I'm with you. And they should do that on an iMac. But for this display, I am okay with it. Yeah, the next iMac should have it. Definitely, definitely. I agree. Yeah, definitely. But I I will say that it's a very expensive piece of equipment. Um, I would really like to see a little bit more uh, from it. Like, I I really would. 32 inches, uh, which is cool. That's kind of what what kind of stuff that we thought. 6K Retina, 40% larger than the iMac screen. 20 million pixels. I, I I'm excited to see what this thing looks like. Yeah, I'm the, also a little screen, bit scared. The I'm screen is a, gorgeous. I will tell you, it's I am amazing. potentially in the market for an upgrade to my computer. I, I I am also expecting the iMac Pro will get bumped around the same time this comes out, which is later in the year. I'm expecting they will mm. they will because the iMac Pro has not been revved yet, and it yeah. might get some of the chips that the Mac Pro has in it. Yeah, and I think this answers the question, too. The Mac Pro starts at 6000 mm-hmm. I was actually surprised. They they laid out all the pricing here. iMac Pro starts at 6000 and that, to me, it seems like they're trying to find a place for the iMac Pro versus the Mac Pro. So iMac Pro at 5 Mac Pro at 6 and you've got this. Obviously, they both go up from there. The advantage of the iMac Pro is it's all in one. It's a great screen. It's got that power. Most people don't need a Mac Pro, right? Like they didn't design this to be the Mac Mini. <laughs> they designed well, it find to out be. If I ever want to have one thousand people on a podcast, I can do that in Logic. Yes, you can. That'll sound great. I'm <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> cross talk on that. Wow, wow, wow. All right. We should talk about macOS Catalina before we wrap up today. Uh, But before we do, let me thank our final sponsor of this week's episode, and that is Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. And with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates, and so much more, they will be the home for your next website. Whether you want to create a blog or a portfolio, an online store, a site for your restaurant, a site for your business, a site for an event, I made my wedding website on Squarespace. No matter what type of site you want to make, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that gives you all of the tools that you need to do it. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They have got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need any help, Squarespace is right there. I love their templates. The templates is not just about design. It's really customizable and you can change the templates around and like really kind of just make it your own. But it's also a great way to get a kind of page structure for a website. So we used one of their wedding um, templates last year, and it had like all of the little pieces of information you would typically need to give wedding guests, and we just needed to change them and amend them to fit our needs. It was really awesome. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a free trial right now just by going to squarespace.com slash upgrade then when you sign up use the offer code upgrade to get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that is squarespace.com upgrade and the code upgrade for 10 percent off your first purchase our thanks to squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website uh we did not get this name mac os catalina we did Cat- not get that catalina name. they have left the desert behind that's fine because yep. otherwise it would have been death valley and also 
Marzipan. Moment of silence for Marzipan. Yep, just pull one out. It is now... Catalyst. Catalyst. So, easy to remember. Catalyst. Catalina. Catalina. I like Catalyst. Catalyst of change. Yes. Yes. I mean, they're sending a message. Also, who... I don't like Marzipan. I, mean, I don't like we, Marzipan. We, I like it, a name. Yes. This is a better name. I'm glad that it's not just... I mean, the way they phrase it is like, well, we call it internally, you know, project I like I was like, no, catalyst. <laughs> but <laughs> we the, had a different name. <laughs> it gives us something to call it other than Marzipan yeah. or, uh, you know, UI Kit Mac or but whatever. Let's come back to Catalyst. Yes. Talk Catalina. About we'll start on Catalina. We'll start on Catalina. I love the way they got rid of the, the, the iTunes thing where they were making fun of iTunes. See, this is back to Craig Federighi as, the, as the guy who can skewer Apple. Put in a calendar in. The, that and then we amazing. need a doc. We can put a doc in that there. Was and that, so that allows good. him to make the joke without saying, you know, we stuff too much stuff in, in iTunes. He doesn't. He never He never said that no. because he didn't need to. Instead, he made a joke yep. about how, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. And uh, now there's not. Music, the, podcasts, Apple TV. That's it. And, well, and Finder. Finder gets the iPhone. It's like a drive now, I guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected that. The only thing that the question I've got is about like uh, file transfer stuff, and if that yep. if, if that's in there too. What What about um, local music libraries? Is it in the music app? I w- I felt like I wasn't completely sure about that. Yeah, I'm unclear on the details. I assume so, but I don't I'll know. See if I can try and find that out while we're still talking today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense to to have these applications, right? They are what they are. Um, oh, can we just talk a minute? about that voice control feature that they showed off that was also for the iPhone. That video they did was was unbelievable. So this is the ability to be able to control Apple devices just by using voice. And you and you can have this system put up all these numbers on the screen, which is where you would want the taps. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't need to sit here and like applaud Apple for everything that they do. But I look at something like that and I see the amount of work that it must have taken for the amount of people that will actually use that feature, they don't need to do this stuff. They don't need to do that, but they do it. Yep. Because there are companies that make products, right, that can help you with this type of stuff. So there are options that are available for people um, who are unable to interact with devices to be able to use their voice to do it instead. Like My understanding, right, like there are things that you can use. um, But this, this really, it was a very touching video and it blew me away because it was such a clever system. And, you know, it, it, these things, it's just like the, the amount of time and effort and money that was put into creating that system for the amount of people that will actually use it. But the effect that it will have on those people's lives exactly. makes it worth it. And it's All, unbelievable. Also, as we have said um, time and again, I saw Stephen Aquino who writes about these issues. He was at the keynote. Um, not only is it important for tech companies to think about accessibility but the truth is an accessible product is a better product for everybody and when we talk about mouse support in in ipad os or ios because it turns out according to steve trout and smith that you can do it on an iphone too too. well why not um that's an accessibility feature that benefits us and and you could say well yes but you actually need accessibility and that's yeah. there's a fuzzy line there right where, it is, where it's like everybody has their own accessibility needs, requirements and and some of that has to do with accessibility but the a, a system that's more accessible is more flexible and so for me i look at that and anybody who's got um rsi stuff this is a good thing Hello. too like 
you used to be able so so David Pogue, who uh, used to write for MacWorld and then went on to whatever the New York Times, whatever. Um, what does he do now? He does like something. Well, he, then he went Yahoo. to Yahoo, and now I saw his byline in the New York Times oh. again. So okay. I don't know. Maybe he's freelancing for them. But anyway, um, David was uh, I was his editor for a while at MacWorld when he did the back page column, and one of our editors, Shelley McFarland, also uh, severe RSI, and they both used Dragon which they had to use a PC right. for because the Mac version was never very good. And then and then Mac Speech Dictate came out and then it got bought by Nuance and basically killed. And it's one of those things where one of the reasons you need to go with more than just the, sort of like the standard dictation is standard dictation has its limits. It doesn't run forever. It'll turn itself off. And you can't do things like edit text which means that you can save your hands from writing, but the moment you make a mistake, you either have to let it go or you have to stop and pick up your mouse and start to do those things. And what they demoed in that video was editing by voice, which is enormous if you're somebody who actually wants to write at length with uh, your voice, Mm -hmm. because you have to be able to say, you know, forget that, go back, replace that, correct this word. And yeah, it takes a while for your brains to, to do that. But Sholly and, uh, and David both did that. And no, I really want to play around with it. That, so that, that could be huge for people who just don't want to type as much. Like, again, like I don't really want to harp on about it because I'm, I'm clearly not in a position where I require severe accessibility needs. But I do struggle with lots of different things, and it's all kind of related to posture and RSI stuff. And there are times when I'm having really bad flare-ups where I would prefer to not have to use my hands where I don't need to to make the money that I need for my living. And, you know, so if I was able to be able to use my iPad, like, without touching it, that could be a big help to me at times so i i'm really interested to look at what this feature really is all about but more than anything i'm just happy that they made it Um, i want to provide a follow-up a real-time follow-up from kate in the chat room from the uh, music app uh you explore a library of 50 million songs blah 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 blah, or listen to all the music you've collected over the years yeah and there is other copy on the page talking about the itunes store still being available so the, the music app is effectively all of the music features of iTunes, it would seem. So, uh, what else do we have? We uh, we already spoke about Sidecar, which is the second display yep. uh, for the Mac. And then I guess really... And was, we talked about Find My. And Screen Time is coming to the Mac too, which is what I, I really wanted that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that was a draft pick and that's a good one. I'm, I'm really excited about that because I, so, I want to manage my kids' devices, yep. all of them. Activation Lock is worth mentioning as another feature where if you've got a T2 Mac, you can now do the same thing where it's locked to your Apple ID and yep. people can't get into it. It's great. But let's talk about Catalyst. Yeah, Project Catalyst. Marzipan. They did not spend as much time on this in the presentation this is as what I was I expecting. Meant. Catalyst, I expected them to spend 30 minutes. Now, maybe in the developer you know state why, of the union. Though? It's because they had the Swift UI stuff. Now, we're not going to talk about this because, again, I think this is a little bit over uh, pay grade. Yeah. But the Swift UI stuff, that seems like... They're moving on to the next generation of things, this right? This is much further down the line. And, but they're and, trying to sell people on it now yeah. to get them... To, this, is, this is the carrot for the Swift stick. Right, people can see how useful it would be because now, if you use the Swift UI stuff, you can build to the watch 
independently with its own UI, right? Yes. Like, there is a lot of stuff going on in here, which again, I am very interested to hear how it's broken down on shows that like Under the Radar and how it's broken on ATP, right? Yeah, People I, want, I want to hear know. our friends who are developers talk yeah. about that because I don't know, although I will say, and I'm not alone in this, uh, I talked to a bunch of people who are like computer nerds but not developers. When they were showing the Swift UI stuff, which came later, and that was when that when it's sort of like they went to two hours, and then they're like, "All right, now we're going to do thirty minutes of nerdy development stuff." We're going to show stuff. you some code. Um, but I looked at that and thought, "Oh my god, maybe I should write an, an app." <laughs> well, because it seemed possible, right? Right, right. Because that, they had that, a visual it, app it, building it, system, and it, and it sweeps away. Because one of the problems with when you think about building an app is that, oh my god, I'm going to need to learn. Um, I'm going to have to go back through a decade of knowledge yeah. in order to get yeah. where I need to go. And this looks a little more appealing. And I realize it was a demo and a keynote, but I think that's really interesting. Well, but the thing is, though, yep. yes, it was a demo and a keynote, but I'm going to try it. And I wouldn't, right? Yeah. But I will open it up and play with it. And it's an extension of Swift Playgrounds, but it's it you know what they said is it's designed for app building and this is the other piece of the puzzle. There was all that talk of a couple of years ago where there was like all the marzipan talk and there was also all of this like amber, amber. I think stuff where yeah. where like Gruber had this and then German had had marzipan and it was like a fight of who was right but it turned out they were both right which is different. Yeah, terms. and that's what what's what uh because what they these ended up things saying. seem to work in conflict to each other. Because they are two different systems to build applications that can run on multiple platforms. Yeah, but they. But, but like, I mean, that's why everything got so confusing, and yeah. it's why it's so interesting to see it. And it's like you look at the the Swift UI stuff, and you're like, aha, that that is the one app everywhere system. Yeah. But what we have right now is there's multiple ways and we're going to allow you to start porting yeah. them until we can convince you all to use Swift. Right. And then when we're there, it's going to be wonderful. And it seems like they are, the carrot is really what they're using here, which is it's easier. And if you want, and if you want watch apps, <laughs> right? Like if you right. want it's watch like, apps with native UI, just do this. That's what you got to do. You got to learn it. So again, I, with, I, I feel like I'm talking out of school yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But Catalyst could have been a, a half an hour. I was so surprised and at how much they I, Honestly, left off. I think they said we don't even need to evangelize this because every iOS developer is a Mac user and they they're going to get it. And and the way they handled it I thought was very clever. They said Mojave was version 1. Now we we're spent here. A lot of time. They they said they said you've got 100 million Mac users waiting for you, which is a great way to put it. It's just like, look, you this opens a new market for you. What did they add from Mojave? Improved sidebar, better text interaction, smoother scrolling, a single process model, which means that if uh, an app crashes, it doesn't take down all the marzipan, sorry, catalyst ah, apps. So it means that it's cuz before it was like it's all running it, as one a kind UI of kit process and now right. they're going to run as their own things. Uh, available now they said, and then this is the thing, and the, they did the phrasing was very particular. They said, you check the Mac checkbox, and it builds in the fundamental features, but, and this is the key bit of language they used, the finishing touches are up to you. And that's the way they're saying it is. I love that. Is, is you get, we will take you all this way, and it will work, and then what we want you to do is your due diligence as a developer, which is add the finishing touches, add the key, the menu bar, add the touch bar support, add the keyboard shortcuts, add all of this other stuff that makes it a truly good Mac app. And then they brought and out a couple I of liked developers. The, the Jira people. Because yeah. what I really liked is what he says, because of the work we have done on our iPad app, like keyboard shortcuts yeah. and split view, we're ready to go. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because what that means is people that don't support this, these power user features on the iPad will want to support them 
on the Mac. And then and the iPad the will back. get them too. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought I thought it was good for what it was. I was surprised it wasn't longer, but I think they're coming from a position of confidence and feeling like they don't know need to make a bigger deal about it than they did, and that um, they will. And and the finishing touches are what it's all about. And I'm sure they are spending a lot of time in sessions throughout this week talking about how you make great Mac apps using the finishing touches. But. Um, that's all they needed to talk about on stage. I thought I thought that was pretty good because they they acted very confident about how well this is going to work, and we'll see the details. But I think that says a lot that they acted. Twitter that is coming back to it. the Mac. How hilarious! I thought about that a few months ago, which is like, well, I mean, this is obviously the solution, and it sounds like Apple like called them up and said, "Okay, come you on. abandon the Mac, yeah, come down and make your iOS app work on the Mac." And they said, "Great." And and we we know iOS developers who've said much the same thing, which is, of course, I'm going to look at this because I don't want right? to make two yeah. apps. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Apple doesn't want to make two apps, so what we, we don't know. Although maybe Steve Trouton Smith already knows, but what we don't know is like. Gave a hint. What apps are? It seemed like they were saying Marzipan? reminders and notes. I assume so because they brought them up. Yeah, right when they said, "Oh, we have these. We also have the." It looked like maybe because we were talking about this, like reminders and notes could move over. They didn't do what I thought they were going to do, which was to surprise everyone yeah. with a big one. It's like they almost got there and then they didn't. I think that this is. It's. I'm very excited. I yeah. will say, like I know this maybe sounds a bit silly, but I'm finding myself more and more excited about the Mac again right because well, it's it's, it's going to be, be getting of new software like it's going to be getting the stuff that i want yeah again yeah. right there are so many ios apps that i love and one of the reasons i use ios so much is because it's got the apps it's that got i want those great apps. Mac doesn't have them but now it might get them mm-hmm. and that, that is very yeah. exciting to me and, and, and i and can't the app wait for this year the app developers at apple and the third-party app developers will be so happy to put focus on building a great app instead of building two versions of a pretty good app and like twitter is a good example where twitter is never obviously they never prioritize their mac app but they've got an ipad app so now they've got a mac app like that's all they had to and do they might make their ipad app better now because they're going to put it on the mac almost too. They certainly might put they some will columns in it or whatever and so i think this is wonderful uh i am so excited for the rest of this week now to start seeing people posting tweets i'm sure I think I saw it already. James Thompson's probably already got it running. Yeah, I'm uh, sure he does. And that that's James is a good example yep, where it's he's one on it. he's one person uh writing an app that he's written since college, but he is currently developing two versions of it. And, you know, at some point, and I don't know if it'll be this fall, but at some point by doing using Catalyst, James will no longer have to maintain the shared code but like two different apps he will be able 784 build warnings he he will you know eventually he will be able to do what he's finally dreamed of which is build a multi-user racing game inside his calculator (laughs) and there's no about screen as well because it's using some stuff that's not supported but like the idea is so your apps will get this this is the thing that's like well what does it matter for me as a regular user there's a few things one is a lot of great. There's been a lot of great iPad apps that have been I want built that will be on Davis the Mac Smith's now. Calzones on my Mac. Yeah. So so a lot of great Mac apps or a lot of great iOS apps that have been built that don't run on the Mac that will now be able to run on the Mac. That's one. So you'll get Calzones. Sure. You'll get Overcast. Right. Um, the second thing is your apps will theoretically. Again, we need to see what the limitations are, but your apps have a good chance of getting better because these wasted 
cycles that your developers have to spend building the iOS version and then the Mac version will now all be put into one version that will get better faster. And James is a good example of that with pCalc, where if James builds pCalc with new features everywhere at once, instead of having to build it twice, pCalc gets better faster. So even if it's not about like your... Uh, getting new apps. It's about your existing apps getting better faster. That's the dream of this. And now we'll see what the limitations are because the fear is that somebody's going to go, if you remember when all the um, iWork apps got updated to be in sync with a code base from iOS, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Catalyst back then, but it was still kind of like that. They were they wanted to get those things in lockstep. Yeah, um, there were a lot of feature regressions. So that's the one thing to watch here: is like, are there things that are going? Is somebody who's going to be the first person to step on that landmine of releasing a new version in the fall that's based on Catalyst and it, their app loses features on the Mac? That would probably be a mistake, but it will probably happen. Someone's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we'll see because nobody's, you know, those existing Mac, Mac apps are going away. So I think James is a responsible developer. is a great example. James Thompson is not going to regress pCalc just to put it into Catalyst. But he is going, I would imagine, not to speak for James, I, he is going to try. try to make it so it doesn't regress. And if he and can Apple do needs it, to listen to and, these developers. And that's, well, you know, and so I would also say, I bet you this is the most important part about this summer and this beta cycle is Apple hearing from developers about what works and what doesn't with Catalyst. I think this cycle has the potential to have the most impact on a Mac OS release in years because turning these third-party developers loose is going to shake out all sorts of weird things that hopefully Apple will address and fix in Catalina by the time it ships or maybe shortly thereafter. So that's, that's the one caveat here is like, I worry about apps that that rush to support this and end up uh, sort of taking features away from Mac users, but I I just hope they don't have to because that's not what this is about. This is about making everybody's apps better over time. What a day. Enormous, and we have only scratched the surface. Fortunately, there's another week's worth of podcasts for everybody to yeah. listen to, and we'll be back with more. But yeah, we, next week, I guess we will probably talk about some of the stuff we haven't been able to cover. Yeah, I want to talk about Apple Watch, yep. and we'll be able to talk about the things that we totally missed this time that, and that the excite stuff that us. We are ultimately going to find out about having used these betas, which we will be. Yeah, over the next week. yeah, things get more, uh, you know, more nitty gritty, Ben. But it is again. Like when they announced like iOS 7, I was kind of blown away because the visual changes were so enormous that it was just like just hard to even comprehend. But this it's the it's the litany of like the technical details of all of these things that they're doing. And and you might ask yourself why this year were they able to do this when other years they aren't able to do this and it's sort of like we're kicking it slow and we're looking at stability and speed of older versions. The answer is Apple's been working for this day for years, yeah. right? That's the truth of it. Is this that is, Apple you can has see, this is the coming Catalyst together. Catalyst and Swift UI yep. have been in the works with large teams at Apple for years. I suspect we know people who have been working on them for years, and they couldn't tell us. And so this is not Apple finally doing something. This is Apple 
having done something in the background for a long time, finally being able to take the wrapper off of it and show it to us. And that happened today. But as a result, it was incredibly... Plus, on the hardware side, the Mac Pro is the same kind of thing. That's a, that's a few years of work, a couple of years of work yeah. at least. So yeah, we know the process. We know the timeline of that one. Yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty pretty clearly. So that means today was enormous, and um, that's great. It's a lot to process. But um, Federico and I did a little high five. Like the, you know, the advantage of waiting an extra year. <laughs> and watching iPad features be deferred is when they arrive, it is really sweet. And iOS 11 was really sweet and iOS 9 was really sweet and iPad OS 13 is really sweet. And I'm, I can't wait to install it on my sacrificial iPad Pro and see what happens. So we will be back next week with more of this. Uh, you can find show notes for today's episode at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 248. You should keep your eye on sixcolors.com because I'm sure that Jason will have a lot of interesting things going on over there. Um, Jason is at Jasonell on Twitter as well, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks to Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Luna Display for their support of this show. If you are still in uh, San Jose, we hope that we'll see you around this week. And uh, don't forget that we're going to be recording Connected uh, live in front of the wonderful audience at the Hammer Theater later on this week. Very excited about the episode. The closer we get to it, the more wild it seems like it's going to be. So I'm very excited. I hope that you'll be tuning into that. We'll probably we will be trying to stream that live, and that should be uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. And there's, uh, my understanding is the one of Stephen Hackett will be trying to get the episode out yes. as soon as he possibly can from when we record when we finish recording. So I hope that we'll see you around for that. If not, tuning in live or checking out the episode will be great. But Jason, so congratulations on your draft win. Thank you, Mike. I uh, thank and thanks to the judges for going mm-hmm. my way, and thanks mm-hmm. to Squirling Tim Cook up. for not appearing on stage one more time. And we'll be back with a more regular episode next week. Snell Talk and Ask Upgrade will return, but today yes. we had to talk. Send us your questions. Stuff. I think next week may just be a breakdown of all yeah. this stuff. I'll follow Hashtag up and, and, and Ask Upgrade. Ask upgrade. If yeah. you've got questions for us about stuff that you've seen, stuff you haven't seen, stuff you want our opinions on for next week's episode, will be wonderful. Hashtag Ask Upgrade for those. Until then, we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley.